Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Wide World on Money FM 89.3. Let's turn now to Google releasing a new survey about uh, APAC kids and families online, their safety online. And it is revealing some experiences and some concerns faced by parents uh, in Singapore as well as those across the region. Joining us now to talk more about this uh, piece of research and what it means and how we can perhaps perceive what's going on is Norman Ng, the Regional Operations Lead for Trust and Safety Global Engagements at Google Singapore. Great to have you with us. Norman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a bright and sunny morning and Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no better place to be than here, right? Absolutely. All right. I hope you didn't have to travel too far up from uh, Maple Tree uh, Park, Office Park in the south ah, of the I island. I came all the way from the east coast, so not too bad. There you oh, go. There you go. Nice and quick. Happy to have you with us. And tell us, um, tell us about this uh, APAC Kids and Families Online Safety Survey. Give us the overview first. What does it include? Yep. So with that, I think the idea here is that at Google, what we really believe in is it's really about how to provide a positive, safer internet experience online for everyone. I'm a parent. We want to be sure that, you know, um, parents have that confidence that, you know, as the kids socialize themselves online, they have those sort of good opportunities that for kids, for teens, they Mm. should have the ability to get the best out of technologies mm. as they go online there. So that's the unders- rather that's underscores this. The other thing here is that we really want to find out about the family's relationship with technology here. That's, and that's behind that survey. Mm. So what we did was that we went around, we talked to about 8,000 parents across APEC, wow. or across uh, around 11 countries. In fact, about 500 of them, uh, these respondents were from Singapore. And interestingly, the top concern that parents told us was that, you know, their their concern was the child's exposure to inappropriate content online. So here's the thing. They mentioned that more than one in two children have encountered it at least once a year. And in fact, they added that they found it very challenging to keep up parents shared that over half of them found a lot of difficulties to, to, to find the right time to talk about online safety with their kids. Yeah. They also added that they found it very challenging to find age-appropriate, easy-to-understand examples to discuss mm. with their children as they manage their kids' digital journey. So it is a stretch, it is a challenge, and yeah. that's what we found out through the survey. That, that is extraordinary. Without getting too graphic on a Saturday morning family show, what was some of the inappropriate content that parents are so concerned about? Because it is a massive issue. It's a massive issue for me, for Glenn, for you. Yeah. It's something I think about all the time with my daughter. Mm. Absolutely. I, I resonate with all those concerns that parents shared. Um, in fact, the top three sort of inappropriate contents that they reported included uh, misinformation as one. Okay. You have deceptive ads and spam. You also have violent content that you see online. And those, for me, are, are really concerning. I'm a parent of two kids. My daughter, she's nine. My son, he's 12. Mm. And I think those are the sort of things in which we're at, at top of mind for me every single day. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we are talking to Norman Ng from uh, Google Singapore. The There are a lot of gateways that take kids from safe content to unsafe content very quickly. Yeah. That it's, it's hard to even know that's out there. So they Google one thing, it takes them to a safe site, but then it automatically takes them somewhere else uh, where content is inappropriate, age inappropriate, for example. Is, is there any way that Google or anybody else, any other search engines can, can help protect against those inadvertent follow-on um, sites that, that kids can get to? 
I mean, wearing a hat as a parent, it is a challenge, right? The moment you flick on your 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 tablet devices, your mobile yeah. devices, your laptops, there, you're just like not sure where exactly is that going to head into. But I think the idea here is that we have those core principles of what we call safety by design principles here. So what that means is that I, as a parent, I feel assured that when my daughter or my kids pick up my device there, they feel that they have those guardrails in place there in which I'm happy to pass my device to my daughter as we explore learning together. Let me give you an example. Mm. What happened the other day was that uh, because Google you know, gave me that opportunity to ensure that I have this thing called safe search online, what that means is that on my mobile phone there, you actually have that on by default here so that it explicitly blurs settings that prevents any explicit imagery from coming out here. So one ha- what happened was that I have a patio and I found that actually there was a, you know, my plants were being foraged, you know, someone was eating my plants. So as I checked it out, I realized that, you know, I thought I saw something slithering. And <laughs> <laughs> trust me, yes, it was. It looked like a snake there, but I said, hey, I, I don't believe that snake eat plants. So what happened was I quickly put my daughter out, you know, and I said, okay, take my phone, let's find out what exactly it is there. So she took my phone. So with that confidence that there is an automatic safeguard in place there already. So she searched, she took a picture, she searched it online there. And we, we found that actually, true enough, it wasn't a snake. It looked like a snake. It wasn't a snake. What happened was that it was a elephant hawk moth caterpillar. It's quite a long one, but that exactly was mm-hmm. what it was there. And what we did was that we, we, we kept it in a box. We, you know, we fed it with more plants, obviously, there to my dismay. <laughs> and um, we're trying to document this. And hopefully, by the time it molts, we'll be able to document and find out more about what actually it evolves into, what sort of morph, how it looks like. But hmm. those were those sort of opportunities. Yes, you're right. You know, I have concerns in terms of, you know, that could really switch from appropriate to inappropriate content very fast. But I think with those technical guardrails in place, I feel a lot more confident to share those experiences mm. with my daughter. She doesn't own a phone at this point in time. At this age, yet she doesn't need to. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I should deny her the opportunity to use and experiment with uh, technology. Yeah. And it's interesting to note the two uh, most biggest concerns that parents had was A, misinformation and deceptive ads and spam. It's concerning, but at least you're doing something about it, that these ads, these, this spam content is reaching younger people. We kind of expect it for adults and particularly yeah. the elder, elder folks who get targeted. But you're finding that children, teenagers are also being targeted for this content. That's right. That's right. And in fact, um, one day my daughter told me this. She said, Daddy, because I read this online, therefore it must be true. Ah, that's not even reeling into like misleading ads <laughs> of any sort. So I yeah. said, hang on one second, young lady. Let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation. And the idea here is that how can I be a part of that journey where I help her to be a bit more of a discerning reader where not everything you read online is true there. So we want her to be able to approach adults. We want her to be able to approach her, her teachers to have those sort of conversations here. So I think that's the challenge we face here, even before, without even looking at misleading ads. Yeah. And just to follow up on that, you're seeing search engines and social media platforms such as Meta and X, formerly Twitter, they're starting to put disclaimers under certain incendiary or controversial posts. Is that something that search engines like Google can do? This information may not be correct, you know, that kind of thing. How can search engines like Google help with misinformation? It, it, it takes a huge village here. In fact, we work very closely with a huge amount of global fact-checkers worldwide. Mm. Uh, and that's important because we believe in working with them to kind of like say, hey, look, you know, you are based on the ground here, you're closest to the local culture and local nuances here. Tell us, you know, what you think are appropriate, what are the things in which we're, you know, it's, it's you know, separating the fact from opinion, separating what's true, what's not true. 
So I think it's not just about us as a platform. We have those, those guardrails in place there. We have over 12,000 search raters that we work with globally around the world. Mm. Those are also very important because they help us to surface what's authoritative, what's trustworthy, and, and those are really important here. But it's not just that. We do with a lot of this sort of things at scale here. So as you can imagine, the trove of information we see online every single day, it's humongous. In fact, every single day, about 20% of what we find on a search engine yeah. is new. We've never seen that before. Really? So as you can imagine, wow. the currency, the, the newness of this, you know, that's, you know, really have to check it and really get to the bottom of 20%? it. 20%? 20%. Every day? Every single day. That's extraordinary. That, that is unbelievable. That is extraordinary. Yeah. How, how do we ever have a chance of keeping up, keeping ahead on this? You know, our kids now are 14 and 17 and uh, quite frankly, the as the old saying goes, the cow is out of the barn. Yeah, the ship has sailed. You know, the ship has sailed, and and you know now now we've we've moved. My wife and I have moved to um, to communication mode, which is this is not appropriate. You may be seeing it, but this is why it's not appropriate. Um, and so we're we're taking the conversation to a slightly higher level because we know that they're seeing things. We know that they're getting access to things, right? Despite our best efforts. Uh, but but how do how do parents then? You know, kids at different ages have different requirements, as you mentioned with your daughter. For example, how do, how do we begin to deal with this ever evolving world, Norman? That that is just it's moving so fast and twenty percent every day, twenty <laughs> percent uh, every day, and 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 of course, you know, never mind what's happened in the past year with with uh, large language model AI uh, and how that's changing the we'll world as well. That. You know, so, how do we get our heads around it? I think as I speak as a parent first and foremost here, so I think we have that control. Uh, for me, I use a different array of different family-friendly apps to help me shape that family behavior at home, digital family behavior at home. And one of the things I use is, is an app called Family Link. This is an app by Google. It allows parents to set screen time on your kids' Android devices. So whether to your kids, you know, they're both like young, 14 and 17, yeah. they have that opportunity to set those sort of screen times there. Uh, number two, uh, for my daughter, she's nine. You know, we use uh, YouTube Kids. This is an app that's helped me design to use uh, Explore YouTube gives me a lot of easier control in terms of, of setting time time limits there. I don't have to scream across the room to say, time's up. <laughs> you know, it automatically there's a built-in timer there. So that helps to, to keep the family safe and uh, a bit more calmer at home, right? For my, my, my son, he's a preteen. You know, I use this thing called a supervised experience on YouTube. That is so helpful for me as a parent because it allows me to control the, the content settings such as live streams, live chats, what is the sort of content that he hears uh, and, and observes there. So I think those are available free to me as a parent and okay. it's widely available to all other parents. So I think that's one approach we could take. Yeah. The other approach is really about intention. We can be creative and innovative around this, right? A lot of us are also concerned about the amount of time that is spent online, right? In Singapore, it's interesting. Uh, quite a number of kids spend between one to six hours every single day for learning and education as well as entertainment. Hmm. That's a huge amount of time that they spend there. So, you know, I think screen time, it's, it's really, really critical here in terms of how then do we have that, that, that time to manage that. Of mm. course, it's different when you have a four-year-old kid catching baby shark videos on YouTube versus someone <laughs> who's, who's trying to find out what's the latest hacks on, on you know, like a, what's the best way to build your Minecraft uh, sort of tools there. So I think it's, it's, yeah. you're right, you know, it's different for pre-teens, teens and you know, I think we really want to get to the bottom of it to create a safe online experience for all of them. Absolutely. Well, moving forward, you mentioned it yourself, AI. So mm -hmm. we have to get to AI. Let's just, get there. Just this week, the British opposition leader, a guy called Keir Starmer, who's, who's expected to be Britain's next prime minister, a video was released of him berating and scolding his staff. It was entirely made up 
by AI. It was entirely wow. fake. They faked his voice. They released this audio file that was supposedly a leak. It was entirely fake. It was entirely made up. It was AI. How on earth do we navigate the next generation to deal mm. with things like that? That's, that's a lot more challenging, right? You know, we've heard different themes of, of different things. It could be audio, it could be imagery, it could even be videos, exactly like what you cited down here. And that's even more challenging for me as a parent to tell my kids that whether this is real or this is fake here. Yeah. But I think from a platform's point of view here is that we have a lot of different tools that we've invested in to, for instance, to spot synthetic media, deep fakes. And I think that's something we, we are mindful about there. But let's not forget about the opportunities where AI can be used for a lot of helpful users mm. at mm. home. Mm. Let me give you an example of what I did at home. Interestingly, you know, we have family dinners and all. So we try to say, hey, everyone put away your devices here. But, you know, we want to create some light humor at home there. So I have a um, Google Assistant, a, a kind of a, a little tool for me to be able to like play music at home. And sometimes we tell it to say, hey, Google, please play me a Singaporean uh, joke. So what happens is that, you know, it tells me like uh, some very good jokes. An example would be I asked, you know, uh, that it raised something like, what's an old uh, but delicious drink in Singapore? Hmm. Milo Dinosaur. <laughs> very good so that's, that's our way of teasing and being really intentional to, to demonstrate with model behaviour for our kids it's like what, yeah. could, what could you use AI at home for you could use it for family entertainment for little moments like this to celebrate together so I think those are opportunities mm. yeah, nice interesting nice. very interesting indeed what, what's the next step for parents that want to um, have more control uh, to you know re-engage with this journey in the changing world that we're in, what kind of, I know Google has lots of resources mm -hmm. online. What's a logical step for folks that, that want to get more information about? I mean, for, I speak as a parent and there's so many tools available for me. I, I struggle. I definitely struggle. And, mm. and uh, what I do is that I go online. I have this platform called Be Internet Awesome. It actually gives me a lot of different uh, resources such as games, fun activities. They're obviously, that's a lot more appropriate for my younger kid. Uh, and you know, we use those opportunities and resources for me to actually then share that with them. Uh, so please, you know, for other parents out there, uh, I recommend that you yeah. try Be Internet Awesome. In fact, you know, it's like uh, it's going towards the holidays very soon, right? So there are many, many different activations and events that we can join. We have one that's coming up on the 28th and the 29th of October. Oh. We're going to be at Kampong Admiralty Community Plaza. We have an online safety park as part of the IMDA's Digital for Life program. So if you want to get uh, experience such as how to, you know, create strong passwords, identifying unkind messages mm. and learn the importance of not oversharing. That's one example. But here's the one. We're going back to AI again. Okay. If people are more excited to find out more about how to get your hands-on on generative AI, large language models, uh, 4th and 5th November, we're at Heartbeat at Badook. Um, it's going to be exciting. We're going to introduce BART to Singaporeans. Oh, really? Uh, bring your kids and Great. families down. Uh, you can have your hands-on there. Very exciting. Here's a philosophical question to finish on this bright Saturday morning. I see you've been in the business for 17 years, working in technology, and you're all about building a safer internet and digital ecosystem. Give us why internet, online use, AI is a greater force for good than bad. Give our parents something positive to take away. We, it's like automobiles. If we are really going to be crippled by saying that because we don't want to use automobiles, because we fear about accidents, mm. you know, then it's like we're missing the big point in missing out about around mobility. So mm. likewise for technology, you're not going to be able to stop it there. You know, you should acknowledge the risk that it has there, but think about intentional opportunities of everyday moments that we could create together. And for me, mm. in closing, is that I look forward to continually using 
tools and our platforms such as YouTube using AI and different resources available there to immerse that into my family. And so right now we're checking in terms of what exactly are the best places to eat in Osaka because it's post-PSLE, hooray, <laughs> to parents like me who survived PSLE there. And again, using those technologies to help us to create those fun family conversations on there. So embrace yeah. technology. It can be fun, but yes, let's also be intentional in creating those safe digital online habits for everyone. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, we've been talking about online internet safety, a new survey that's out, new study that's out by Google, uh, talking about that and, and giving us information. Norman Ng, the regional operations lead, trust and safety, global engagements, Google Singapore, get on Google and, uh, and, and Google some of the <laughs> online uh, tools that are helping parents uh, figure out this world and, and not just parents, but uh, young people as well. Thanks for being with us, Norman. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.